0: Hello and welcome to Too Many Movies, the podcast where we discuss DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. I'm your host, Hal, and with me here today, Andrew, introduce yourself. So yeah, thought you might like to
1: come to the show. <laughs>
0: That's a good reference you made there. Uh, welcome to the show, Andrew. You're you're. This is not the first time you've been on my channel, actually. Um... It was your first time on the podcast, uh, but you uh, remember when we used to do YouTube poop tennis? Oh, yeah, that was fun. We I,
1: you, oh, we only got up to, like, round four or something, and, like, I was in the middle of round five, and I, I just couldn't. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: fine. I mean, we've all kind of moved on from that era, I would assume.
1: Yeah, I mean... I still do YouTube poops it's just not as frequent anymore as I'd like.
0: Mhm. No, yeah, I get that. Totally get that. Well, speaking of uh past that era, we're 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 past an era of uh the YouTube poop. Um let's move on to a different era where we talk about movies. Uh hey. we're this is the first movie we're going to talk about. There. See, I'm I'm known for my good transitions. Uh <laughs> let's talk about the wall. Pink hell, Floyd's the wall to be
1: nice. Hell precise. yeah. Pink Floyd, the wall. I'm mm-hmm. wearing my pink so, Floyd t-shirt and I have my copy of the wall with me.
0: Vinyl. I'm prepared. Okay, cool. Oh, that's nice. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you suggested this, um, because I freaking love this movie a lot. Um, and I'm glad I got this opportunity to talk about it. Um, so, give me your thoughts on The Wall to start things off. What did you think of The Wall?
1: Um, well, if I'm being honest, um, I think The Wall was absolutely amazing. There may be some parts where I'm like, this may be a bit too, like, sophisticated or artsy that for my brain to handle. But, like, I can excuse that. Because, like, it's a very well composed and thought out movie and the symbolism definitely it makes sense in the director's head it b- makes sense in Roger Waters head and uh i just i re- i love the movie too mhm it's yeah. a, it's also yeah. it's also a very good blend between like live action and uh
0: the animation of Gerald Scarfe mhm yeah yeah, no, I I agree. I'm I'm. It's funny that you say like, oh, it makes sense in Roger Waters' head. It's like, yeah, this is a very like personal movie when you get down to it. Um, I'm reminded of like the reviews I saw of it on letterboxd and how a lot of it is just people being like, oh, it's the only movie that says we live in a society that needs to exist. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> this is anything but that like, yes, it has obviously, yes, there are scenes that are attributed to discussing social commentary and having like, uh allusions to stuff that goes on in general society, of course. But like to say that, you know, this is a movie that just says we live in a society. It's like, how stupid are you? Like that is so close minded. It really genuinely pisses me off. It's like, wow, we really do live in a society. Um, because it's not about society it's a movie about the self within society mm-hmm. i would say
1: yeah it's not a, it's not saying we live in society it's saying i lived
0: in a british society yeah if anything um sure but like it's about like you know it's a, it's not an outward movie like it's about the it's an inner it's a movie you look inward in like you it's about the self it's about this person and their you know mental uh capacity of dealing with all this stuff, so it's it's just such a weird way of putting it with this movie. It's like, yeah. did you watch it? Like, it, I don't know. I'm not trying to be all gatekeepy, but like, my god, yeah, like, ugh, um, letterboxed for crying out yeah, loud! By by the logic of those reviews,
1: the uh, the self itself is a
0: society yeah yeah exactly it's uh, it's just so stupid but whatever i mean at the end of the day it is a very vague movie i get it so maybe that's what people get out of it but like i think that's also what makes the movie so good is how vague it is um just how brilliant that is because it it does deal it does tackle a lot of subjects it deals with war it deals with um drug abuse it deals with uh Sexual abuse. It deals with so many things uh, that just like th- th- everything it deals with, but like in a way that doesn't feel like it's tackling too much. You know what I'm trying to say? Like yeah. it deals with it deals with a lot. um Well, the
1: the original but it doesn't
0: feel like too much. The original wall itself is like no, separated
1: into like uh, four sides, and like one side was like dedicated to one or two topics or another. So like you mm-hmm. could think of like sides being like separated into acts if if you want to.
0: Yeah, no, totally, totally. I totally mm-hmm. see that. Um yeah. yeah, so like the first side is about um like his dealing with uh school and stuff like that. That's why you get Happiest Days of Our Lives and Another Brick in the Wall part 2 being about his dealing with uh being in school especially a british school post-world war ii and like how abusive that was yeah and then you start and then it transitions to his time when he's an actual musician and um his problems with uh the women in his life it's always the stinking women (laughs) yeah and then it turns into him dealing with uh becoming a fascist. <laughs> um,
1: it was only it was only it's, happening it's in his li-
0: mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like right, exactly. It's it's something that leads you down that path. Like it's not saying like oh this was definitely going to happen to you, but like you know, it's one possibility that could happen. Yeah. Um and I th- I think that's a very uh interesting point to bring up and especially in a movie like this. I'm sure people would ju- you know, I'm sure people would just be like, "Oh, well, it leads to fascism, really?" It's like, well, it's a possibility. Like this is what this movie's bringing up. It's like it's, like I said, it's dealing with so much that yes, it's eventually going to lead down to this. Yeah. Maybe you never know. Um, and then it just all culminates into that trial song. It's absolutely brilliant. Um,
1: yeah the uh, the tri- uh,
0: that trial song
1: the trials the trial scene yeah, trial ahead. song may not be my favorite uh, scene or song in the wall but uh, god Mm -hmm. damn if it isn't the
0: culmination of everything that came before it exactly yeah it's the culmination that's a great way of putting it um yeah because all these characters come back obviously in very exaggerated manners like you got the schoolmaster you got the wife you got the mother just like coming in as sort of like either defending him or not it's like it's it's brilliant. And um, then, it's then a it, brilliant way yeah, of ending it, the movie.
1: And then it just leads up into that giant asshole of a judge.
0: Yeah, exactly. The judge just being so, so brutal towards Pink, essentially. Just being like, I have never seen before someone more deserving the highest penalty of law, or however the line goes. It's and just he's just a like, literal. Yeah, you're the worst. He's a
1: literal asshole.
0: Yeah, exactly. That, too. He's a literal asshole. Leading to the line, it makes me want to defecate. <laughs> Go on, judge shit on him. Yeah, exactly. Oh God. It's just, it's, it's, uh, I'm going to be saying a lot in this episode when describing this movie, it's brilliant, but it really is. It really truly is brilliant. Yeah. Um. There's no other way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's so many things I love about this movie. Um, One of my favorites is the transition from empty spaces to young lust. Just not even just the actual transition between those two songs, but the fact that that's the order that the songs come in. It's like, Oh, I'm left in this empty space. How do I fill that empty space? Young lust. Um, one of my, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie and the whole album really is. (laughs) and um happiest days of our lives when he's just like their fat psychopathic wives would thrash them within inches of their lives it's like what a weird line but i i can't get it out of my head i think it's really really funny
1: yeah i'm glad Um, you mentioned the transition between empty spaces and young lust because that was also my favorite part of the movie with just yeah just the flowers the sex flowers just eating each
0: other Yeah, the sex flowers eating each other yeah no it's 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 really something it's really really something um and also speaking of transitions the transition and i love this in the original album as well but i think it really does work in the movie as well is the transition between in the flesh and run like hell like it's i don't know just after all that screaming which by the way i want to say the in the flesh version in the movie i prefer than the version on the album just mm-hmm. because well one you get the visuals to like kind of coincide with it but like i feel like in the album version of in the flesh it, he's just kind of like saying the things when he's like shouting where he's like are there any queers in the audience like you know he just kind of says that in mm-hmm. the album version mm-hmm. but then in the movie version he's just like screaming it like put him up against the wall it's yeah. just like you really feel the disdain the like the absolute malice in that in the in the performance in the movie version and i prefer that over him just kind of like it, it sounds like he's just saying it to be edgy in the album whereas like here you actually feel the like evil seeping out of that yeah. performance
1: I, I completely understand you there like uh, you, when listening to the wall i never believe that roger waters was a fascist when he was singing mm-hmm. those lines in that goofy manner but like if you told me that Bob Geldof was an f- actual fascist, I'd have no reason not to believe you. <laughs>
0: You're just like, "Oh, huh, maybe. <laughs> oh, God. It's uh, yeah. I just I love how this movie just tackles so much in that regard. And it's it, I really didn't want to have to bring this up, but I feel like we kind of have to the elephant the- in the room. <sighs> The elephant's in the room. Hi, Doug. Mr. Walker. (laughs) Hi, Doug. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, a couple years ago, um, the Nostalgia Critic, a person I've brought up before on the show, he made a review of this movie that was, um, how you say, less than (laughs) Um, well-received. It it was... (sighs) I remember when he first dropped that video, it was insane the amount of hate that video got. And yeah. I mean, at the time when I watched it, I'm just like, yeah, no, this is bad. But like, I did rewatch it um, yesterday, in fact. I watched it with a couple of friends to prepare for this because I figured oh, I might as well bring it up. It's much worse than I remember. <laughs> like, I remember when people were saying like, oh, this is easily his worst video. And it's like, it might be, but like after watching it, my god yeah it is his worst like purely just because he doesn't get it and it's just such a weird bunch of criticisms for the movie and i'm not saying you can't criticize the movie but like you actually have to come up with you know actual criticisms for the movie yeah (laughs) whereas like when when he was criticizing it's like what are you talking about like uh, one thing that really pissed me off, and I'm sorry I'm talking a lot, but I oh, really no, just to no, it's perfectly fine. Say, I talk the
1: same way about this.
0: Yeah, so there's that scene in his review where he's um, parodying the trial scene where he's just like, Oh, how come our monsters have more personality than the creatures in the movie The Wall? It's like, what are you talking about? Like, the creatures that's the mother that's the wife that's the schoolmaster i think like the, did you not get that uh, doug
1: yeah i, I think i literally think that one of the monsters is like these monsters are like a personification of past figures from pink's life and yet doug still doesn't get
0: it yeah that the it's pretty obvious that they're past figures so like yeah these are not like real you know defined characters but like they were in the movie, Doug. Did you not get that? Like, I think it's pretty obvious. It's just so strange. And the fact that he's just like, oh, how come we never get to relate to Pink? Like, where are the characters in this movie? It's like, dude, the movie is the character. Like, <laughs> you're watching the... like. This, that's essentially how I would describe this movie. It's like, there are no characters in the movie. The movie is the character. You're, every scene is devoted... To a thought process within this character like you know it's forming this idea of a person you know the whole point of the wall is that he's building up this wall to isolate himself because of all these reasonings because his father died in world war ii because his mother is very overbearing because he's not good with women because he had a shitty childhood in school because he has a shitty relationship with his fan base and his music and he can't really concentrate on all that and he's addicted to drugs and like all these different things they're another brick in the wall did you not understand do you not understand what that means another brick in the wall you're another reason why I'm building up this wall but it can also mean hey I'm just another student in this system that is oppressing me it's multiple things it's multiple things to extract from this movie it's all things and no things all at the same time yeah I think the, I, I the, used to I used to not be so anti that video. I was just like, oh, it's just a stupid nostalgia critic review. But it's like, no, you literally just don't understand when it's ah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the, I'm I'm getting so triggered. <laughs> I think the uh, the part
1: that insults me the most is when Doug is doing the another brick in the wall part two parody, and like knowing what Roger's Roger Waters had to go through in like the. Uh, the british schooling at that time and then doug's just like lol so school sucks grow a damn pair of balls <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> grow a damn pair of balls and so it's so funny but like um, yeah no it's like well he can't like it's not like does doug not understand that um, the american school system is different from the british school system of the 50s and 60s like yeah there it was genuinely horrible the conditions of the schooling system like you're equating something that's not the same as this other thing you're equating modern schooling to schooling from close to 60 years ago doug like that's not the same thing like it's just so weird Mm -hmm. to me that like he's equating the two things and he also when when he starts bringing up like the fascist part like he's like saying he brings up like hashtags and social media it's like what are you doing this has nothing to do with the wall like the wall was written in the 70s long before social media my guy like are you just pissed off at social media which it's fine we all are nobody likes social media but like do it in a different video don't do it in a video where you're critiquing (laughs) a movie that was written in the 80s
1: the saddest part is Ugh. it's the logical sequel to To Boldly Flee.
0: It's the logical <laughs> extension. <laughs> oh, God. You know, somebody asked me that, they're just like, what well, would you rather rewatch, The Wall Review or To Boldly Flee? I would sooner watch To Boldly Flee again. Like, I remember laughing unironically maybe twice during To Boldly Flee, whereas The Wall Review, I'm just watching it, and I'm like, my God, he just... Doesn't understand. Uh, I just, yeah, I would sooner watch to boldly flee again, um which I have seen. It it's not very good.
1: <laughs> I have like I've only made it like halfway through Kickassia.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> you haven't seen the entirety of Kickassia? I... Oh, for shame! <laughs> Kickassia is the greatest cinematic masterpiece of our time. Yeah, I I kind of like zoned
1: out during like the after they took over Kickassia. And there's just like oh. a day-to-day of the of their lives. I just I just zone out. I can't make it past that.
0: Hey Critic, do you got a lot of pussy with that outfit? Of course. Thank you, <laughs> Mr. Critic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh kick ass he's a banger, dude. You're missing out.
1: <laughs> I an
0: ironic no. banger though, right? I don't know anymore. <laughs> That's that's
1: fair enough. Uh, um, yeah, another part fair. of that review I don't like is uh, he t- he turns bring the boys back home into bring the runtime down.
0: Yeah, a a call to bring back these poor soldiers who are dying for their country. Bring the boys back home. He's like boring. Bring the runtime down, like, dude. Huh. Time and a place. How tactless can you be? Oh God, it's. I, I, so the thing is, like, I've kind of like the more I've thought about this review, I've been like, okay, I think I don't, I don't think he truly hates the movie, and he def- he definitely doesn't come across as that whenever he talks about it. I think he just wanted to make a parody of it, and it's like, okay, again though, you need to parody it by, you know, parody is extracted from truth, Doug, and like nothing you're saying feels like an actual critique you it doesn't feel like you're actually critiquing the movie is the thing it's like if the like i i don't hate the fact that he made like a parody of the wall it's like you can do that that's not really the problem here the problem is he doesn't really critique it he's just coming up with random things that he thinks the movie is saying but it's not and that's that was the very main disconnect which led to it being one of his most hated videos Um, He could have made this. I will say, I. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was just gonna say, I appreciate the fact that he left it up. Like, Mm. yes, he understands it's a gigantic failure, Mm. but he still he didn't like quietly delete it or anything. He just left it up. It's like, Mm. okay. I mean, I appreciate that because it's like, all right, you're willing to understand that maybe you were in the wrong. It's like,
1: Mm. you
0: know, and you're not like deleting it, just being like, oh, it never happened. It's like, yeah, it Mm. did happen. Like we kind of have to deal with that now. So it's like, all right, fair enough, you know, and also fair enough because then I was able to watch it again and I got to see (laughs) all those dislikes. There's a lot of dislikes.
1: Oh yeah. Do you have like the, the thing where you could see the dislikes even though? Yeah. I still,
0: I still have the, I still have that on, um, on my laptop. Yeah. I can, you can still see the dislikes cause guess what? It's valuable. It's valuable (laughs) to see the amount of dislikes YouTube. Yeah. Fucking fascist. <laughs> <laughs> um Oh my god,
1: they're they're going through their Pink Floyd face. They're going through their Pink Floyd face. <laughs> I will say, I have to say this about the review. Um for all its faults. Um Yeah. It definitely got me into Pink Floyd. Mm. I don't interesting. know if I, I don't you know, I do not know if I would have done a deep dive into the discography had not that uh review
0: gotten so much traction for being a giant load of ape shit you know it's interesting so i remember finding the vhs tape that i have it on um and trying to watch it like summer of 2019 so this was like a couple months before the review came out i remember trying to watch the movie and i'm like i'm not really in the right headspace for this i'll return to it someday and then the review came out and it started gaining traction of people being like, this is the worst nostalgia critic yet. And I had to be like worst yet. I'll be the judge of that. But I wanted to watch the movie first. So then I watched it in its entirety and I was like, yes, this is a good movie. Then I watched the review and I'm like, wow, he literally didn't get it. (laughs) And then one day I remember just like listening to the album and then it just like started clicking with me more. I'm like, wow, like, not only do I like this movie, I love it. And so then like, I kind of became more obsessed with it. And then I just started listening to it over and over again. I started watching the movie again. I got it on DVD because I loved it that much. And so like, it kind of evolved to the point that, yeah, not only is the wall, like my all time favorite album, and not only is this one of my all time favorite movies, like it means a lot to me, this, this movie. um, And so watching the review again after i've become obsessed with the movie it's like oh wow i hate this review even more now (laughs) um yeah (laughs) but i guess yeah in a a backwards way yes it did get me to listen to a lot more pink floyd and now pink floyd is easily one of my favorite bands of all time uh no question like it's they're so good i could listen to any so i could listen to any of their songs i hear they have bad songs i haven't listened to them yet but i'm sure i'll get to them eventually <laughs> oh yeah S-
1: several species of small furry animals in a cave together grooving with the pict is definitely a
0: song that exists yeah. <laughs> yeah it's actually funny that like the wall is like my favorite album of theirs but i would probably consider my favorite song of theirs like time from dark side of the moon oh god um, time is so good yeah
1: and it's so good oh. <laughs> Personally, mine would be uh, "Shine" not new Crazy Diamond," but that's only because mm. I'm a sucker for nine-part, twenty-five-minute songs.
0: What? Mm. <laughs> well, I'm gonna um, see Doug make a parody yeah. of that. <laughs>
1: just call Should up "You Crazy Diamond." I remember. It. You don't have to. <laughs> just call up Rob Scallon and Corey Motherfucking Taylor, and just do it with yeah. them
0: yeah get get cory and his son griff (laughs) (laughs) it still amazes me that cory taylor
1: was in the wall review
0: (laughs) yeah i don't think he understood he was just like yeah i'll I'll be on this stupid internet show cool and then he was in the worst nostalgia critic video ever
1: (laughs) and then he played the spongebob theme for everyone and everyone was happy
0: yeah yeah the spongebob theme is funny they played the spongebob theme isn't that funny gen z i'm playing the spongebob theme i'm doug walker (laughs) Uh, i don't think roger waters wrote the spongebob squarepants song for the wall no but it might have been cut in the final product honestly yeah we don't know just like Uh, when the tigers broke free it wasn't
1: included in the album
0: yeah yeah that is an interesting thing they like because like when you listen to the original album yeah it's not there um and it's, it, like, it's not as anti-war in the album. I mean, yes, it is, obviously, because yeah. uh, it, it does have allusions to World War II. But I feel like the movie definitely emphasizes the allusions to being anti-World War II, I feel like. Um, yeah. And so, it's it's interesting, yeah, because they cut out Hey You and they replaced it with, uh, what's the name of the song?
1: Uh, what Shall We Do Now? It comes, like, right in between Empty Spaces and Young Lust.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's the uh the, the tiger song you you were saying. Oh yeah, when
1: the tigers were freeze like earlier in the film.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would have loved to have heard hey you in the movie, but it's fine. It was it's not there. It was actually
1: cut. i um I remember like I have the DVD of the wall and it's like one of the bonus features is like watch the original version of Hey You that was cut from okay. this from this movie because it I think I think it was because they're like they were using like
0: too much repeated, uh, like video, yeah. which honestly, fair yeah, enough. I, yeah, exactly. I i think the point of Hey You gets across in other songs anyway, so it's like, all right, I get, it. I get why yeah. they cut it out, that's fine, yeah. Um, I feel
1: like the only thing they ever could have, the only thing they could have cut out in the final uh, cut of this movie is like right before uh, Nobody Home, Pink Floyd decides to shave his entire body, including his nips. And as a person with sensitive yeah. nips, that makes me very uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's not fun to look at the blood, but it does lead to a re- really cool imagery where you see like the sink full of shaving cream, and water, and you know you start seeing the blood drip. Like that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's not fun to see bloody nips. It's, <laughs> ooh, it's ooh. <laughs> yeah. Thank
1: thank you for that image. Thank you for that mental image. Uh, I will yeah. say that it, Thanks, it, Roger. It, it, it also leads into one of the best shots in the movie where Pink, Pink is just watching TV in the middle of a battlefield.
0: Mm, yes, yeah. It's the backdrop on Letterboxd for the movie, which, yeah, that's a great as choice it, for it. As it uh, should man. be,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Doug Walker could easily is there just... anything re- else you wanted to say? Uh, Doug Walker just e- could easily just repeat that with a green screen. Uh I do have a few other things I wanna say about the wall for no, Go ahead. But uh um, I think it's real funny how the manager in this movie is just played by Bob Hoskins. Yeah, Mario himself. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> uh, I also loved that uh Bob Gildoff initially did not want to do this movie because he hates Pink Floyd. And but and then he was like venting about this with his cab driver and this cab driver was like oh hey you should you should do the movie it's a quick paycheck what what what's the harm and then bob was like okay i'll 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 do the movie roger do you know who that cab driver was uh
0: i don't actually what it was roger waters brother i believe oh wow what are the odds <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fascinating wow yeah that's also really funny that he just hates Pink Floyd and he's just like, fine, I'll do it for the well, paycheck a, because like,
1: is, well, he's he, a, he's a he dirty really punk. Sells it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. really sells it though. He's really, he really sells the part like, and he's a musician by trade, but like his acting is actually really good. Probably because he doesn't do a lot of talking. Like it's all in the facial expressions. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It really works. He mm-hmm. really, 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 yeah, really, really works. <laughs> I think yeah, actually really.
1: one of the scariest scenes in the movie is when he just he suddenly just has a meltdown and destroys his hotel room in front of a groupie.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah.
1: But yeah, uh, Pink Floyd, the wall, nine out of ten because Ooh. the nipple shaving makes me uncomfortable. But you know what they say? True art is supposed to make you
0: uncomfortable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so before we wrap up, I just want to mention the physical media I own this movie on, because I do own it. Um, Yes, on DVD. uh, Yes, on VHS. And I also do have the wall on the actual album on CD. Uh, And I'm keeping all three, just because this movie means a lot to me. I love the different versions I have it on, even VHS. um, I think the VHS quality really adds to it. Um, the DVD it's nice to have a nicer quality of it it's not on Blu-ray in North America like the only Blu-rays are like in Europe of yeah. this movie and that's kind of upsetting because this movie deserves like a 4k or a criterion like something much nicer like a, a step above normal DVD this movie definitely deserves but yeah. I, I don't know they just haven't made one yet yeah, uh, yeah. Also, sucks.
1: yeah. One more shout out to Gerald Scarf and his animation. He did a really good job. It doesn't look like Vegas, oh, yeah.
0: contrary to what other people <laughs> might say. SMH does not look like Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you, did you say you own this on DVD too? Uh, yes, yes, I do. Okay, you keeping it? Um, hell yeah. Um,
1: I would rather nice. Um, I would rather watch all three hours of to boldly Flee* before I give up Pink Floyd *The Wall*
0: on DVD. Hey, that's good. I would rather watch uh, *Kikassia* for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm telling you, get on the *Kikassia* train. <laughs> I can. You have you have
1: two DVDs, but you can only watch one.
0: Exactly. And if you and if you watch uh, the other
1: one, um, Doug Walker and Corey Taylor will show up at your door. and beat the shit out of me Mm -hmm. Uh, let's uh, do a nice little transition Uh, Doug Walker did a uh, so called review of the wall but Doug Walker Mm -hmm. also does editorials from time to time where he actually delves into certain aspects of movies or just like top 11 lists that don't really aren't like an actual review it's just him giving out his actual thought as a critic which Actually, in retrospect, I actually like these editorials a lot uh mm-hmm. as, Me too. one of them he did in two thousand and sixteen. He did this like right around the same time i was I started getting into the nostalgia critic uh was he he was discussing the historical accuracy of a little film
0: called Amadeus Amadeus, our second movie we're talking about today yes, yeah, it's funny that you say that uh that you watch the Doug Walker editorial on it because yeah that's the video that also inspired me to finally watch Amadeus um, and I watched it like years and years and years ago like around the time that video would have come out maybe within a year after that video came out I watched mm-hmm. Amadeus for the first time and I'm like wow and mm-hmm. then I watched it again when I got Letterboxd and I was like wow mm-hmm. and then I just watched it a third time for this podcast and I'm like holy wow. moly this is Really fucking good. Like, <laughs> it is. It, it's one of those movies I was kind of giving five stars at first just because I'm like, oh, it's really good because everyone else says it's really good. But this time I'm confident this is wow. Like, what a, what a picture, man. I love Amadeus. Um, yeah. And it is funny that, like, you know, we were shit talking Doug in his review of The Wall, but like, honestly, to give the dude credit, like, he, did a great job in that editorial. I didn't rewatch that editorial uh, to prepare for this. I should have though because I feel like he does bring up some really good points in that video um, yeah. in defending this movie. Because um, uh, yeah, apparently there were people who were like complaining about what this movie does. It's like, what is there to complain about again? Like historical inaccuracies? Oh no! Right. Like it's a movie. <laughs>
1: It, well, not, the film is not only told from the perspective of Mozart's friend-slash-rival Antonio Salieri, it's told through, like, his, his warped mind. He was going through mental degrade. This is how he remembers it.
0: Exactly. Oh, God, yeah. So, to bring up Salieri, wow, dude. Like, F. Marie Abraham knocks it out of the park. Like, yes, the movie's called Amadeus. Yes, it's about Mozart, but it is secretly more so about is- Salieri- this is antonio salieri's story exactly it's salieri's story and good lord he's so good like i gotta say salieri in this movie is one of my all-time favorite characters in any movie ever like and it's a lot of it is due to f murray abraham's performance like he's so good at portraying this like kind of scuzzy dude when you get down to it like he's kind of a piece of shit, but like you're fascinated by him being a piece of shit. Cause he's like, cause mm-hmm. so here's the thing. He's obviously very passionate about music. um, And you really feel that passion for music that he does. And, you know, it's not just from the way that he describes it. It's from the way, like you see like certain scenes of him, like composing and he's just so into it. He just loves music. He, he sees it as like such a divine gift from mm-hmm. God. And, just seeing his like uh seeing how he like portray- how, like he views the world how he views music of like seeing how such a miracle like music is and like what a miracle Mozart's gift is but not just a miracle it's a curse to him yeah you know it's it's a miracle for mozart but it's a curse to him because it's like why aren't i that good like this is god torturing me yeah. um i just want to bring up which is up, really fascinating yeah i, yeah, I want to bring say. up like that
1: uh Yeri, i put, believes that his his uh achievements in composition are a gift from god as you said but like not only that he has been chosen by god to be like the greatest mm-hmm. composer ever and he figured this yeah. out when his father choked on something and died which honestly i thought was one of the funniest scenes in the movie
0: isn't that fascinating like that scene really got to me because it's just like okay so He's just he he's like he views his father dying as a miracle for him. He's just like, yeah, my father died, I got all these opportunities to become a musician. It's like, holy shit. Like, what a psychopath. Like, your father dies and you're just like, holy shit. Like, this is the best thing that could have ever happened to me. It's like, yeah. what? Like, it's fascinating. I love that. I love that this character is so batshit shit, even from like when he was a child, like he's like you you think he's mentally gone when he's like an old man describing all this, like the fact that he saw that as like a miracle, holy shit, like mm. that's so fascinating to me, yeah, but like this character is just so he's so passionate about what he wants out of life and what he views mm-hmm. as important, and I feel like that's really important to a character, like when you're writing a character whether or not you relate to that character is really not the important part. What you need to understand is understanding the character. Mm-hmm. So like, even when you can't relate to that, because I can't relate to Salieri being this obsessive guy who views yeah. death as like, you know, a stepping stone in his uh, importance I... in life. You know, you at least need to understand. And the fact that he's so passionate for music, it's like, okay, I get that. Yeah. Um, not, not it's just really 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 cool
1: not every movie has to have like a main character that you find relatable like you're exactly you gotta be crazy to relate to sally area you gotta be fascist to relate to pink floyd <laughs> and, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly oh and i love how like um i love how still respected sally area is because you know it, I feel like in any other movie, he's like jealous towards Mozart. So you'd think like, okay, then that means he kind of sucks, but he doesn't. Cause like he is respected by the emperor and by mm-hmm. his peers in Vienna. Yeah. Like he has status. He has credit. Um, he has stuff to him. So like, if, if anything, the only reason he feels jealous towards Mozart is because he understands mozart um on another level over anybody else like you know one one of my favorite scenes is like the opening when like he's uh in the loony bin and he meets the priest for the first time and he's just like do you know who i am and like he starts like give it, he starts like playing all these melodies that he wrote and the priest is just like i, I don't uh, know what these are t-
1: and then he plays Nach he- music and he's like oh yeah you
0: made that no i did not yeah, no, I didn't. Like, that's such a brilliant way of showing that, like, it, it's a brilliant way of showing, like, why he's jealous of Mozart. And because like, back in the day, he was also jealous of Mozart. But, like, you never got the sense that, like, other people were either. They were just like, oh, you know, he was obsessed with Mozart, but also was jealous of him because he understood that what Mo- Mozart was doing was brilliant um and then he couldn't understand
1: why god would give the gift of music
0: to such a perverted man child yeah exactly but it's just so fascinating that like he understands mozart on another level over everybody else and so then years go by and now he's an old man and he's like he's been proven right that why he's been he's his jealousy has been proven right as to why he was jealous because he's like nobody knows who I am but they know who Mozart is. It's like that's such a great uh study of that, that I, I don't even know how to explain it, but like it's just so fascinating to me that they wrote it that way. Um you know they didn't just write him as like this jealous type. They wrote actually wrote him as a very talented guy he but he knows he's not the best and i think that's a really fascinating angle to take this character at
1: he knows he's not
0: the best um,
1: but he wants to be the best because he believes he's been chosen exactly. by god and when he finds exactly. out that uh that mozart strolls along uh he realizes what have you done to me why have you forsaken me like this yeah, god he, he
0: yeah oh god just seeing him be so spiteful towards god it's It's really, really fascinating to watch how you're just because, you know, like it's probably just objectively speaking, it's probably just this crazy man just like going insane. But like you really feel like there's a he, he like really delivers it in a way where it genuinely seems like there's a rivalry going on between him and God, which is like such a it's such a big monumentally. Like it's it's hard for me to describe, but you get what I'm saying. Like it it has some weight to it. It mm-hmm. it probably doesn't looking at it from an objective standpoint, but like the the way that F. Murray Abraham delivers these lines as like an old man and as his current day self, it's like it it really convinces you that there is some sort of rivalry between him and God. It's like yeah. what a fascinating uh thing to achieve in filmmaking. Really, like. How do they do that? <laughs>
1: yeah. F. Murray Abraham is, like, the best part of this movie. And this movie also has Tom Hulce as Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart.
0: Yeah, he's so good. And, yeah, Tom Hulce is really good as Mozart as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not as good as F. Murray Abraham. But I feel like the performance is still really, really good. For, because, yes, he is, like, this perverted man-child. He is this, like, super goofy-looking guy. But, like, he also is talented like you never really get the they, they they always portray him as yes this like goofy guy but like he's also extremely talented because yes he was trained as like a child like from ever since he was a child he's been his life has just been music and so yeah of course he's going to be really wicked talented i think um, my
1: favorite scene in the I, entire I, movie is uh when uh Mozart is being greeted by Salieri and the Emperor and his associates, and then Mozart decides to play like Salieri's welcome, oh, welcome march, and he just turns to Salieri like, "The rest of this is just the same, isn't it?" And then just proceeds
0: to improvise oh. off the entire thing. It's so good. He's so he's just one upping him without even realizing it, and Salieri takes that to heart. Like, it's brilliant. It's so so brilliant. Just ah. Uh, it's i i love that scene too because like they're just like oh we want to commission you to make an opera and they're just like did we ever decide on a on the language it should be in and um the two italian uh characters are just like oh yes we it's decided on italian and i love how the chamberlain's just like did we?" <laughs> like the way he says did we?" Yeah. it's just so funny to think.
1: and then like the austrian uh. guy is like well, what how about we do it in german i mean i'm german yeah. We're in a German uh, yeah, country. It's,
0: it, yeah, it's 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 fascinating. Like the infighting between countries in this movie. Um, just because, yeah, certain characters are patriotic for their homelands. Of course, they're going to be. There's going to be a lot of infighting with that. And I think that's fascinating that this movie shows that. Yeah. Um,
1: I also love how the emperor is played by the principal from Ferris Bueller.
0: Yeah, isn't that random? <laughs> yeah, well, there it is. Yeah, that, there it is. <laughs> I love that line. Um, I love his too many notes scene. Um, Just how he's just like, yeah, it's too many notes. Just cut a few and it'll be perfect. It's like, can you tell me? What specific- does that mean? Can you tell me notes?
1: specifically what yeah. few I need to cut out?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. It's such a brilliant. Uh, way of showing like such a weird criticism to bring up it's like yeah there's too many notes and he's just like but there aren't any like I used just enough notes because that's because this is Mozart's you know work like this is his art so like the way he made it is the way he wanted it to be made like saying there's too many notes is arbitrary it's like what do you mean there's too many notes like what does that mean (laughs) it's fascinating that we're bringing this up because just earlier we were talking about a very bad review and it's just like what are you even saying like what is this critique too many notes <laughs> what do you mean the, the, the creatures didn't have characters doug <laughs> but like yeah. it, but like that's a, i feel like that can apply to anything it's like what does that mean too many notes it's such a good uh such a good scene such a good line too many yeah. notes uh yeah um uh Yeah, go
1: ahead. I was just wanted to bring up some more my favorite silly Mozart scenes, like the scene where like his mother-in-law is just shouting at him. He takes it as inspiration for the famous Queen of the Night aria from Magic Flute.
0: Oh yeah, it's so good, so good. How he's just like, yeah, it's that's a great scene. How he's like taking influence. Um, I also love the transition from after he finds out about his father dying, and it transitions to Don Giovanni, and how he's just like, this was his blackest opera yet. It's just like, oh, mm-hmm. brilliant. Like life imitates art, art imitates life. Mm-hmm. That's a great. That's a great transition between that. Yeah. Um.
1: I feel like I do want to bring up another elephant in the room. Uh, Salieri did not commission Mozart to write the Requiem. It was a guy named Franz von Walsig. I have mm. no idea what he did, but I'm guessing it was
0: something. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's one of those things. Again, like, yeah, this movie's not very historically accurate, but it's just like, okay, like, course- I don't know if I necessarily wanted it to be historically accurate, you know? It's, it's like you said at the beginning. It's like, yeah, this is from the perspective of a mentally deteriorating salieri like you're not going to get things 100 percent correct and that's the point yeah um this isn't like uh this isn't like bohemian rhapsody or elvis like other musical biopics where it's it's claiming to be 100 percent accurate but then it's not yeah you know, this it's film like, is actually well edited that too it's actually well edited but like yeah it's i don't think the movie ever claims to be 100 percent accurate historically um so that way i can forgive the inaccuracies and the and the like you know the fact that it's not 100 percent true i i'm okay with that you know it it reads more as like an actual story than like has a, a biopic like that's why i would prefer that's why i prefer this over like you know the majority of musical biopics out there because like it's actually telling a story yeah um yeah
1: I I also want to point out that, like, uh, when Margaret Thatcher saw the stage version of this, because this is, like, adapted from a play, she, like, wrote an angry letter to them for saying that Mozart, this writer of dignified music, could not have been such a weird party animal, But and then they, like, sent her, like, l- actual letters that Mozart sent and, like, anecdotes of what he did, but she still was like, uh, nah, this isn't my Mozart. Oh, for crying
0: out loud! It's yeah. Maggie Thatcher sucks. <laughs> How could you be so stupid? Yeah. I will not eat one morsel of food until Margaret Thatcher is dead and buried. <laughs> I have news for you, buddy. <laughs> I know. It's one of my favorite Norm Macdonald jokes. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, I was so I, I really I dug up a memory while watching rewatching Amadeus. I feel like I watched this or I didn't watch the whole thing, obviously, but, like, I watched a clip of it in, like, music class in elementary school, like, years ago. It's, like... So there's that scene um, when Mozart is, like, on the uh, little piano thing, and, like, that's when he, like, faints, and he's, like, really, 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 really sick. Um, And they're... They have, like, the characters in, like, the bird costumes. Like, okay. that scene... They showed. I, I can't remember if it was like third or fourth grade, but it was definitely elementary school. And we were in music class, and my teacher showed us that scene. And we got up to like the part where like they bring uh, Mozart to like a carriage because it's like after that we really didn't need to see anymore. It was. I think they were showing us like the bird costume people. Um, and I I also remember. I feel like there were kids laughing during that scene. I can't remember why, and I think if i'm remembering correctly it's because some kids noticed like the little kid actors and like the angel costumes and they're like why are they naked it's just like (laughs) oh well that's probably just why they were dressed like that back in the day yeah i I may be misremembering but i feel like that's a memory like a very vague memory i have from like that time um which is really funny that like i saw that scene like as a child and then i'm re- and then i'm like oh that was weird it's a weird movie and then like i watch it years later i'm like wow i'm watching this movie for real now and it's great it's one of the greatest movies ever made actually
1: <laughs> yeah i i remember seeing a clip of this movie in i either seventh grade or eighth grade we were like in the cafeteria doing something for like band class and we watched the mm-hmm. scene where mozart was just playing a, a theme in the style of many other composers and like Salieri's like play so play Salieri, and then like mm. and then Mozart just plays it like really rigid and grumpy, and then at the end he farts.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a great uh, that's a great scene. I was just like play Salieri, and it's <laughs> it's it's great because it it you get you get a lot of Tom Hulse tomfoolery, but then you also like it also uh continues the story of salieri just growing more and more bitter towards this character it's it's brilliant it's a brilliant brilliant scene
1: and it's it's not as if uh mozart doesn't have any more respect towards salieri in truth the two were actually very good friends and salieri uh gave a lot of money to mozart when he was falling on rough times but Mm -hmm. like it's clear that like mozart has his own personal biases towards what he would consider to be like music of the day and not like just music back then music that was too inspired by like the baroque styles
0: well it's interesting cuz like yeah there's that scene where like the emperor and his uh the the emperor and all those guys are like calling him out calling mozart out they're just like you can't write this play it's illegal and he's just like oh why do i have to write music about like gods like why can't wouldn't you be more fascinated by hearing a musical about your hairdresser like yeah like that's a great that's a great scene uh, on its own but it's also a great scene to show like what kind of stuff Mozart is about like what he's passionate about like how different that is compared to what came before him and why we consider Mozart like such a hugely influential uh historical figure Mm -hmm. um because yeah it's like okay yeah gods and legends it's like yeah that's all really interesting but like what about the common folk like that's why i love the difference between the scenes of him um you know performing the operas in the opera house with the emperor and such and then like there's the common theater place where like people are a lot more rowdy but it's like a lot more common to the common folk i love how like the operas are performed in Italian and German and all these different languages, but then you get to like the common theater and they're performed in English. It's like that's a great; th- those are great indicators of like the separation between the classes. Like uh, it's brilliant.
1: Yeah, I I never knew that there was a giant English-speaking uh, community in uh, Vienna. Thank you, Amadeus.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 thank you, Amadeus. Uh, why is everybody speaking English? Hmm, suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Oh, and since we're bringing Um, up Doug
1: Walker, uh, I also did want to bring up his Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle review, where his entire character arc is just impersonating Salieri because he actually liked the Rocky and
0: Bullwinkle movie when everyone else didn't. It's unfortunate that, like, every time I watch this movie now and I see the scenes of Salieri as an old man, like, in the back of my head at this point, I'm just like, reminds me of that Doug Walker review. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, but like, it's unfortunate, but like also at the same time, it's like I still feel like this movie, you know, the performance is still so good that like I can still separate the two. But I did watch the review before I saw Amadeus. Yeah. Um. So when I'm watching the review, I'm like, this is a reference to something. And then I actually watched Amadeus and I'm just like, oh, that's what that review is parodying. <laughs> Uh, if uh,
1: uh but it, yeah.
0: yeah doug already did the
1: analysis on amadeus if he if he does a full-on like parody i'm gonna lose it
0: oh hopefully not
1: yeah. <laughs> he's learned his lesson hopefully
0: well you never know <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> but yeah Tomorrow i he just released his
0: amadeus parody it's like oh great yeah <laughs>
1: Well, uh I watched this movie on digital like on like YouTube. Mm. I paid money, sadly. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah, I I'm, I'm definitely going to I'm going to find a copy of this. I need- yeah,
0: so I own the director's cut on DVD. Um that's how I watched this. Uh so it was like yeah, there's 20 minutes of never before seen footage. I mean, the theatrical cut I would imagine is very long anyway, but like I guess this is also long. I mean, it's 180 mm-hmm. minutes. Um mm-hmm.
1: You, you gotta. Yeah,
0: it's per, if you. No, go ahead.
1: I was just saying. You really. The uh, runtime is really the price of admission for someone like. Uh, mm. the, the Amadeus is long enough anyway. Like it. D- it depends on who you're talking about. Like a simple folk mm. from Indiana, or like a political figure, or like a college kid in Colorado who has no time for zone. Yeah, I, it's. I would say that some. The, some I would. I would say the three hours is worth it, though.
0: Yeah, I'm sure some poor schmuck is just like, oh, there's too many scenes. Cut a few, and it'll be perfect. It's like, no, <laughs> this needs to be three hours long. Like every scene, every scene is valid. Every scene is vital to the movie. It's like yeah. I, I love that this is three hours long. It's 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 quite the experience for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I did a justice describing it in this episode, but you know, I figured. Uh, every time I do an episode on one of these movies that are just like so good. It's like, I can only say so much. Yeah. Um, I'm like, yeah, you get the gist. It's like, this movie's brilliant. I love it. I love this director's cut DVD. I think it's really neat. Um, Could I own it on like a nicer 4k? I don't know if that exists. Quite frankly, that doesn't matter to me. I think it looks great on the DVD that I have it on. I love the director's cut. So I'm keeping this DVD. It's, it's a definite keep for the collection. So it's staying. I love yeah. this movie. If no, if none of you out there have ever seen Amadeus, fucking watch it. It's it's yeah. so good.
1: I do have a few things before we uh before we sign off here. Um sure, sure. I think one of the best parts like one of the status parts about this movie is like the uh the Mozart's death. Like because it takes a long time and you're like you're like watching like this this wonderful man who's like such a figure at parties just turn into this lifeless husk who's just yeah buried in a mass grave like some other poor schmuck back then. It's like... It kind of tears me
0: up, honestly. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Also, another one of the, the best scenes is like when, like, is talking with uh, Mozart's, like, girlfriend or wife, Constance, I believe, and then, like, she has Salieri hide, and then like her husband comes in and like and he asks her to propose with him and he's like being such a weird pervert guy. And <laughs> and then and then he's like, they're playing my music without me. And then he just goes into full on work mode. And like yeah. and then Salieri just examines the score after that and just is awestruck at what he saw as like perfect divine music being being composed by this weird man-child guy. I, I just love yeah, that. Yeah,
0: this buffoon. Yeah. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. Um, there is not a scene in this movie of Mozart or Salieri shaving their nipples, so I think I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10.
0: <laughs> you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's a good way of uh, judging movies. Yeah. Does it, does this movie have a bloody nipple scene? Yes. No. Okay then. Yeah. <laughs> Just
1: bring that up every once in a while if you can.
0: Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: and how can we mention Amadeus without mentioning that laugh?
0: Oh. <laughs> such a good laugh, Su- yeah. such a intentionally annoying laugh, but like it, it grows on you. It's 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 pretty funny. You can't help but smile every time he does that goofy laugh. Yeah, also,
1: sure. uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart better autist- autism representation than Sean Murphy.
0: Mm, it's he's definitely a better, contender. Be- better autism representation than the Predator, that's for sure. Because <laughs> that's like lowest of the low, this- but, you know. Huh, there's, still
1: there's autism representation in predator
0: uh no 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 they well yes but i'm saying no because nobody wants to bring up the predator because the predator sucks it's one, one of the worst fucking movies ever and one, one of the worst portrayals of autism ever too uh it's really bad don't watch yeah someone with
1: <laughs> autism i will not watch unless i want yeah, to pro- hurt pro- myself
0: probably for the best yeah definitely for the best uh, no no one should have to watch the predator it's yeah terrible movie watch the amadeus Um, or the wall yeah yeah amadeus or the wall pick 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 both watch both watch both they're they're fucking phenomenal movies for Mm -hmm. sure i'm glad glad you recommended both these are these were really good to watch again
1: i'm glad um, i recommended them too because i've I've only seen like clips of amadeus online and like so like watching the Mm. the full thing was like it was truly an experience i i love this fucking movie
0: All right, then, uh, Andrew, uh, shout out your stuff. Where can people find you?
1: Oh, uh, so, um, my, my YouTube account is just Standrew. Maybe if you cross your fingers and your toes, I will upload a video. (laughs) I'm on Twitter, uh, as, uh, Standrew730, that 730 being July 30th, my birthday. Mm. And, uh, I dedicate most of my time on there, uh. Talking about a specific ship of amp- from amphibia about two frogs that like only have like five seconds of interaction for each other, but you know what? I don't care because they make me happy. <laughs> and then there's my own podcast, uh, Rock of Ages, about uh, it's it used to be about primarily about introducing like rock albums to theater kids and vice versa. But we've, we've been running a bit low on people lately. So I think I'm just gonna, I'm going to slowly transition it to a, just inter- showing my friends, my favorite, uh, rock albums. And then we do like cast recording whenever we do a concept album or a rock opera, like the wall, which we already did a couple years ago. So mm. yeah, but yeah, um, definitely check that out. It's, it's on Spotify. Uh, if you, if you have that stuff and, uh, if you are interested, if you're like a theater kid or just someone who's interested in like rock rock and roll or like musical theater, I, I highly recommend that maybe you watch, listen to the podcast, and maybe even join because we we could
0: use some more members. Yeah, all these links will be in the description below for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, uh, Andrew, yeah. for coming on. Thank you. It's been a it's it's been a real pleasure yeah yeah hopefully uh editing this will be easy um but you never know (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: um let's see how long we've been going for uh and now we're in three minutes and 20 seconds
0: Uh, yeah well there you go there you go so yeah well anyway uh thanks for coming on and uh thank you the listener for listening to the podcast uh if you want to support the show give a like give a comment listen to us on spotify and apple podcasts or just on youtube that's fine too um and yeah thanks for watching and always remember uh we don't need no education (laughs) we don't need no thought control no dark sarcasm in the classroom hey teacher leave them kids alone hey teacher those fat psychotic wives would thrash them within inches of their lives. All right, bye <laughs> I understood everybody.
1: that reference. <laughs> bye
0: bye.